psalmist is questioning God. Wondering, why are you allowing these things to happen? Or, or why are all these crazy things happening to me? And where are you? Have you abandoned me? So one of the great things about the Psalms is that they're so connected to what we experience in life. And it's a great book of the Bible for us to be reading daily. To be experiencing these highs with the psalmist and to be experiencing these lows and to know that we are not alone. We're not the first ones who have felt this way. The psalmist described that very well. And so we're going to focus on a psalm tonight that's very much so a, a psalm that should cause us to praise God for who He is. It, it reminds us what kind of God we serve. What He is like. And it should give us comfort as we read it. So follow along with me. Psalm 46. God is our refuge and strength. A very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth gives way, though the mountains be moved into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam, though the mountains tremble at its swelling. Selah. There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy habitation of the Most High. God is in the midst of her. She shall not be moved. God will help her when morning dawns. The nations rage. The kingdoms totter. He utters His voice. The earth melts. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Selah. Come, behold the works of the Lord, how He has brought desolations on the earth. He makes wars cease to the end of the earth. He breaks the bow and shatters the spear. He burns the chariots with fire. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Selah. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, we read tonight that You are our fortress and our strength. A very present help in trouble. God, help me this evening to explain this. Help all of us here to understand this and not to miss it. God, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight. May we taste and see that you are good. Amen. So Psalm 46, popular psalm. Uh, it's often referred to as Luther's psalm. Martin Luther, the reformer from the 1500s, Loved Psalm 46. Uh, he actually wrote a hymn called A Mighty Fortress is Our God and he based it on Psalm 46. Uh, and a lot of people have said in their writings that any time that, that Luther would hear bad news or something bad would happen to him in life, he would say, well, come, let's, let's sing the 46th Psalm. He found the 46th Psalm to give him a, a lot of comfort in times of trouble. Spurgeon, a great preacher much later than that, but still long ago, says he calls Psalm 46 the song of holy confidence. He says the psalm gives us confidence in God. It gives us confidence in who He is. So let's look at it. Verse 1 starts out very quickly. There's no introduction. There's no, uh, let's get this thing started. He starts out with a bold verse of proclamation. The psalmist says, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. 
Now, refuge is not a very popular word that we use today. It's not very widely uh, used in our, our common vocabulary, but refuge is something that most of us are familiar with. We get the idea that a refuge is, is a safe place. September 11th, 2001. And when I say that date, most of you, the first thing that pops in your head is probably where you were when you heard about September 11th. When you heard that there was a terrorist attack on our country, and you just remember, that was such a traumatic thing. I remember being in ninth grade, third period shop class. I was standing there, I was clamping some boards together that I was gluing together, and an announcement comes over, and they said that there had been a terrorist attack on the United States. And even as a ninth grader, I don't really think I understood the magnitude of what happened. I don't think I really understood how many lives were actually lost. But I still remember that it was a big deal. And I remember being in shop class and hearing that awful news. And what happened in the wake of 9-11 is that there was a skyrocket in church attendance. Because when the fight was brought to us, all of a sudden, we don't feel so safe anymore. Because all the wars that we had experienced in our past, if you read about them or if you lived through them, all of them happened on foreign ground. And so even when war was going on here in the United States, it maybe not, didn't feel so dangerous. Maybe Pearl Harbor was similar when the war was brought to us. But what happens is when our safety is shaken, we always are looking for a place of safety. Most schools... Most places of work, they have tornado shelters uh, or they have fire drills. Or they do all kinds of things like this because if something bad is to happen, we want a safe place to be. When chaos is coming, we are always looking for safety. We're looking for somewhere to be where we don't have to worry about the storm. And so the psalmist is talking about a refuge, a safe place, and he starts out by saying, God is our Refuge. Now, like I said, with the 9-11, there was, right after 9-11, there was a skyrocket in church attendance. And I think what happened is that a lot of people are looking for a safe place, and they look to religion as a safe place, but the psalmist doesn't say that religion is a refuge for us. The psalmist says that God is a refuge for us. It doesn't say religion is is a refuge for us. It doesn't say that the church building is a refuge for us. It doesn't say that the pastor is a refuge for us. It doesn't say that certain songs are a refuge for us. It says that God is a refuge for us. It says God is our refuge and our strength. A very present help in trouble. Even with the youth, maybe a couple of months ago, I had a youth come to me from the community, and I, I asked him why he started coming to our church and why he started getting involved, and he said, well, life has been hard. Things have been difficult, and I'm just looking for some positivity. I just need something good in my life. And I think what he was really trying to say is, I'm looking for a place where I can come, and all the cares of the world are away from me. I'm safe from all the problems that I have. And while a church is the greatest place to come for that, the church in and of itself is not that. It's God. And the psalmist wants us to be sure of that tonight. He says, God is our refuge and strength. But then look at the second part of verse 1. He says, God is a very present help in trouble. Like Troy preached this morning, 
a lot of us are very familiar with trouble. A lot of us experience trouble on a daily basis. It happens to us often. We get ourselves in situations and we recognize this is a troubling situation. I need relief from this. And a lot of times, what we tend to think is that when we get ourselves into trouble, we wonder, maybe if God were close, I wouldn't be in this trouble. Maybe if God were a little closer to me, I would not have got addicted to this drug. Maybe if God were a little closer to me, my spouse wouldn't have left. Or my children would not have died. And so a lot of times when we experience trouble, we often wonder why God would let it happen. And I think Troy did a great job explaining that maybe it's a little bit of prosperity gospel that's kind of creeped into our thinking that if, if God is with us, nothing bad will ever happen. The Bible nowhere promises that. But the psalmist reminds us that although God is our refuge and strength, He is also a very present help in trouble. I think a lot of us need to be reminded that when we find ourselves in trouble, God is not far away. I think, if I remember correctly, I didn't fact check, but in 2010 was this great earthquake uh, in Haiti. And it was catastrophic. And so many people started sending relief teams there. Uh, and a Christian artist named Lecrae wrote a song called Far Away. Now before this, I had never been into Christian hip-hop, Christian rap, or anything like that. This is actually the first Christian hip-hop song I ever heard. And he wrote it so that all the proceeds for everybody who buys it on iTunes or whatever, all the money from that would go to the Haiti Relief. And in that song, he writes about the earthquake happening, buildings toppling overhead, people losing family members, and you know what it feels like? It feels like God is far away. But then in the chorus of the song, he keeps saying, God, God is not far away. He is not far away. God is near. God is very near to us. And I want us to know that even if an earthquake were to hit Fairdale tonight and this church building were to fall on top of us, that doesn't mean God is far away. It means God is still near. God is near. He is very present help in trouble. Now, starting in verse 2, the, the psalmist starts to describe a situation where we are in trouble. Okay, listen to what he says. Therefore, we will not fear though the earth gives way, though the mountains be moved into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam, though the mountains tremble at its swelling. This is an awful picture. If we listen to what the psalmist is saying, he says, even if the earth starts to fall in on itself, it caves in on itself, if the mountains that the psalmist knows to be the most secure thing on the earth, if they're falling into the ocean, if the ocean is swelling and the waves are making the mountains tremble, those who believe in God have no reason to fear. That is a bold statement. But it's interesting in the beginning of verse 2 that he uses the word therefore. Because every time we read the Bible, we need to be reminded that when a writer uses the word therefore, he uses it for a specific reason. Usually, the writer is going to state a truth. Something that we can know about God. Something that is true and we know it. And then he'll say, because of that truth, therefore, or because of this, here's how we live. Or here is how we act. Or here is how we do. And he says, because we know that God is our refuge, because we know that God is our strength, He's a very present help in trouble, therefore, 
we don't fear when the earth caves in. If the mountains were to be thrown up into the sea, and if the sea is raging so much that it's destroying the mountains, we don't have any reason to fear. Because God is our safe place. God is our place where we go and we are protected from everything. That's the end of section 1. Then he moves to verse 4. He says, There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God. Now notice, there's a great contrast here. Because in verses 2 and 3, he's talking about the earth caving in on itself. He's talking about the mountains falling into the sea. He's talking about the sea roaring and foaming. And the mountains trembling. And then he says, there's a river whose streams make glad the city of God. And I think the contrast is to show us that the power of the earth is shown in chaos, but the power of God is shown in a calm, flowing river. God is in control. Nothing is out of order. And I think many of us, if we've been down to the Ohio River, to the waterfront, and if you look at the river, it doesn't seem that impressive. You look at that river, you can kind of tell that the water's moving a little bit, but it's kind of murky and dirty. It doesn't really... I don't look at the Ohio River and think, man, that is powerful. But I promise you, if you jump in and try and swim upstream, you're going nowhere. That is taking you where it wants because it is powerful. It is strong. He says, there's a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy habitation of the Most High. Now, the city of God is often referred to as the place where God dwells. We have the benefit of knowing that here in the 21st century, post-Jesus' life, death, burial, and resurrection, that God dwells in His people. When we believe in Jesus Christ, He sends His Holy Spirit to dwell inside of our hearts. So he says, there's a river that makes glad the city of God, the holy habitation of the Most High. God is in the midst of her. She shall not be moved. God will help her when morning dawns. Now notice again in verse 5, the psalmist is stressing a point to us. He says, God is in the midst of her. So again, the psalmist is repeating what he said back in verse 1, that God is a very present help in trouble. God is present with His people. And again, in verse 5, he's saying that God is in the midst of His people. God is not far away. He is near. He is in the midst of His people. She shall not be moved. God will help her when morning dawns. God helps His people. Okay, look at verse 6. It says, The nations rage. The kingdoms totter. He utters His voice. The earth melts. Now look at verse, uh, sorry, Psalm chapter 2 with me real quick because what he says at the beginning of verse 6 is a quote from Psalm 2. Psalm 2 says, Why do the nations rage and the peoples plot in vain? The kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers take counsel together against the Lord and, his, and against His anointed, saying, Let us burst their bonds apart and cast away their cords from us. So the psalmist is saying that the kings of the earth, the people of the earth, are trying to plot together to overthrow the people of God. God and His anointed one. And look at verse 4. It says, He who sits 
in the heavens laughs. The Lord holds them in derision. And as a pastor that I like to listen to says, when the Lord laughs, ain't nothing funny. So we've got this picture of the people of the earth. The kingdoms of the earth are trying to set themselves up against God and against His anointed people to overthrow them. And what happens is God sits in heaven and He laughs. That's ridiculous. And so the psalmist here says, the nations rage, the kingdoms totter. All God has to do is utter His voice and the earth melts. God doesn't even need to lift a finger to destroy the people who are trying to destroy Him. God utters a word and the earth melts. This is the power of God. Verse 7, he says, The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Again, the psalmist is reaffirming that God is with us. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. So we see that the psalmist is stressing a point. That God is with us. He's among us. He is near to us. He is present. And He's our fortress. He's our place of safety. He's the one we run to and are safe. Proverbs 10.18. sorry. It says that the name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous runs to it and is safe. Look at the start of verse, the section 3. Verse 8. He says, come, let us behold the works of the Lord, how He has brought desolations on the earth. This is an important shift in the psalm. Because up to this point, the psalmist has been telling us truth. He's been telling us truth after truth after truth. God is near to us. God is present with us. He is help for us. He is there in times of trouble. He's in the midst of us. He works on behalf of His people. But now, the psalmist is saying, if you don't believe me, let's look at proof. Because God has a proven track record and let's look at it. He says, Come, behold the works of the Lord. How He has brought desolations on the earth. He makes wars cease to the end of the earth. He breaks the bow, shatters the spear, and burns the chariots with fire. What he is saying is that if God wants to end the war, God ends it. If God wants to destroy the bows and spears and chariots that the people are using against His people, He does it. And we've got the entire Old Testament as a witness to this. I wrote down just a couple of things that I wanted to share with you guys. Think about Noah and the flood. Here's Noah. God tells Noah that he's going to destroy the entire earth. He says he's going to send a flood. And I want you to build this ark. And so he does it. He obeys. God gives him a hundred years. He builds this ark. All the while, people are mocking him. It's never rained before. We don't even know what rain is, Noah. You're so dumb. You're wasting your time. But sure enough... The rain falls. And people are banging on the side of the ark saying, let us in, let us in. But it says that God seals the door. No one's coming in and no one's getting out. God acts on behalf of His people. God fights for His people again. Moses and Israel. We see the Israelites in slavery in Egypt. Josh preached about uh, through Exodus not too long ago. And we see that the Israelites are enslaved and the Egyptians are making their work harder and harder and harder. And what God does is He sets His people free through a series of, of plagues that He brings upon Egypt. And ultimately, He kills the firstborn son or daughter, the firstborn of every household that doesn't spit the blood on the door. 
And God acts on behalf of His people. He frees His people from bondage and slavery. And then what happens is they, they're fleeing out of Egypt. They get to the Red Sea. And all of a sudden they're like, whoa, there's a sea. And whoa, the Egyptian army is coming after us. And what God does is it says He clogs the wheels of their chariots. So they rode heavy. And then He parts the sea. He has Moses lift up his hands. And the sea parts and it becomes dry ground. And they pass through. And then as the Egyptians go in after, He closes it in on them. And He kills them. Because God acts on behalf of His people. He is present to help in time of trouble. There's a time when the Israelites are fighting against the Assyrians and, and the Assyrians are, are real bold and they're real proud because they, they think that no one can beat them. And they're going to come against the Israelites and they say, stop us. Try and stop us. Your God can't do nothing. We're so powerful. God sends one angel and kills 185,000 Assyrians. God is near to His people. He is there. He is present in times of trouble. How about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego? They're told that they have to bow down and worship other gods, and they say, we won't do it. We're not going to eat meat that's sacrificed to other gods. We just won't do it. They say, all right, we'll throw you in the fire. And they stoke up the fire so it's so hot. And even the guys that throw them in the fire get burned because it's so hot. And God shows up. And when they come out of that fire, they don't even smell like smoke. Because God is near to His people. He is a refuge. He's a safe place. Same thing with Daniel in the lion's den. Similar situation. He won't bow down to false gods. He obeys the one true God. And what happens is God closes the mouth of the lions so they can't rip Him limb from limb. God is near to His people. And that's just scratching the surface. The entire rest of the Old Testament is full of stories that tell of God keeping His promise to His people, God acting on behalf of His people, delivering His people from trouble, from times that seem like it's impossible, with Gideon and his 300 defeating so many others. God is acting on behalf of His people. God is trustworthy. God is a refuge. He is our strength. He is a very present help in trouble. And the psalmist says, let us look to God's works. Let us look to what He has done. If you don't believe what I'm saying, read the Bible. Look at what God has done for His people. Then you'll see that God can be trusted. That God is a safe place. That God is near to us. Now look at verse 10. It's interesting that up to this point, the psalm has not included any commands. It's just strictly truths. This is who God is. This is what He is like. And now in verse 10, we have a command. It says, Be still and know that I am God. I wonder how many of us spend time being still. There's so many things that are going on in life that, that distract us. Whenever we're driving, it seems like we always have to have the radio on. We always have to have music playing, talk radio going. Whenever we're at home, maybe making a meal or just trying to hang out, we always got the TV on in the background. We always got something going on. Whenever we're outside doing some work, maybe we're listening to a podcast or whatever else. But how often do you and I sit down with our Bible, a notebook and a pen, and we're just still before the Lord? 
It's interesting that throughout the entire psalm, a lot is happening. A lot of action is going on. The earth is, is caving in. The mountains are being thrown into the sea. God is destroying bows and spears and all kinds of things like that. And then the psalmist says, be still. Be still and know that I am God. This is a command. He says, I want you to be still. I want you to know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. God is saying, I am going to be exalted. This is not up for debate. This is not a question. It's a statement. I will. Are you being still? Are you spending time reading the Bible and just thinking about it? Just contemplating it? When you read about how God works on behalf of His people, how He delivers them from crazy situations, do you sit there and think, it's the same God that I worship. It's the same God that I call on in my trouble. That's the same God that says He is near to me. Or are we too busy? Or do we have too much going on to where we, we never spend that time just being quiet and knowing who God is? Increasing our faith in who He is. Our trust in what He is like. The psalmist ends by repeating verse 7. He says, The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Safe to say that the psalmist wants us to know that God is with us. That He is our fortress. God is the place that we run to for safety. And I want to ask you, do you know that He is God? Do you know that God is your refuge? That God is the place of safety? Even in the midst of life's hardships and difficulties, do you know that God is a place where you can run to and you are safe? When the hardships of life come, is God the first place you go? Or is he a last resort? Do you know that God is very present? Are you aware that no matter what you're going through, God is present? Because oftentimes it doesn't feel like it. That's what Lecrae sings about in that song. He says it feels like God is so far away, but I promise you, he is not. He's in the midst of us. He's working on our behalf. He is saving us. Listen to these words from Exodus. Exodus 14. This is right after the Israelites come out of Egypt and they're, they're right up against the Red Sea. And they see the Egyptian army coming for them and they start to say, Moses, would you just bring us out here to die? Listen to what Moses says. Moses said to the people, Fear not. Stand firm. And see the salvation of the Lord which He will work for you today. For the Egyptians who you see today, you shall never see again. The Lord will fight for you, and you have only to be silent. Are you aware that that's the same God we read about in the psalm? That's the same God we sang to 20 minutes ago? That's the same God that you will pray to tonight? And that's the same God that gives you new mercies every 
There is a river whose streams make glad the people of God. God is in the midst of us. God is working on behalf of us. God is a safe place for us. We started with the the words of Psalm 62, and I'd like to end there. It says, For God alone, O my soul, wait in silence, for my hope is from Him. He only is my rock and my salvation, my fortress. I shall not be shaken. On God rests my salvation and my glory, my mighty rock, my refuge is God. Trust in Him at all times, O people. Pour your heart out before Him. God is a refuge for us. I hope you know that tonight. Let's pray. God, may we be like Martin Luther, that when troubles come, when hardship is near, we say, let us sing the 46th Psalm. Let us be reminded that God is our safe place. Not the church, not the pastor, not the songs, God. May we be reminded that God is a very present help in trouble. God, let us be reminded of your works that you have done for your people, knowing that you are in the midst of us and that you are fighting for us. God, may we be still and know that you are God. pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you all. You are dismissed.